Now, let me start with something else a little different this morning. We're going to give you an interactive aspect of this message right to begin. And, uh, and I'm going to ask you to answer a multiple choice question electronically. We actually take out your phones. And, and, uh, and what we're going to have you do is, is text the word question to the number uh, on, up on the screen. It's going to be up there in a minute. It's uh, 644-6121. And just text the word question. And if you do that, what's going to come back is that there will, there will be a response, and it will ask a question back in response. And the question is this, um, what best expresses your understanding in, of and feelings about spiritual gifts? And it's going to give you four answers or four choices. You know, I, uh, A, I know my spiritual gifts, and I'm using them in ministry. B, I think I know my spiritual gift, but I don't know what to do with it. C, I don't know my spiritual gifts. And D, what is a spiritual gift? And, uh, and so what I want you to do is if do, do that, and just take a moment, and all you do is you just put the letter back in reply for the answer that best describes your understanding. And we're going to actually come back to that in a couple minutes. And um, now as we think about this, you know, there's, we're asking this for a reason. You know, I think one of the things that happens for those of us who have been Christians for a long period of time is that over time we tend to pick up Christian jargon. Um, you know, things that we say in the church, language that may be even biblical, but uh, if you're outside of the church, if you're not raised in the church, it kind of sounds strange. You know, maybe some of the best examples of this are things that you see when you drive by a church and you see on their sign, and they, you see these sayings that seem kind of catchy and cute if you're within the church, but if you're not part of the church, it makes absolutely no sense. Um, for example, a really, really popular one is... It says, you know, the most powerful position is on your knees. Now, you look at that and you say, we all know if you're Christians that it's talking about the power of prayer. But if you're not part of the Christian culture, you know, you missed the joke. The sign's just kind of strange. It's like, well, what's that saying? Or here's another one. You know, Walmart is not the only saving place. Again, it's kind of cute. It's catchy. It's if you're part of the in crowd that knows the jargon, but if not, it's just kind of strange. It's weird. It's confusing. Uh, now it gets worse. Uh, you get a sign like this one. You know, having trouble sleeping? We have sermons. Come hear one. Now, now, I would say that this might be a joke, but when I lived in Greenville, I drove by a church that had this exact sign. I said, oh, we've got to stop. I took a picture of it. And... Um, and, and I'm thinking either the guy doing the signs is just kind of totally unaware of the double meaning, or he really doesn't like the pastor. And uh, I'm not sure which one. Uh, in fact, you know, you, know, I, you know, you have some that would be say one thing, but maybe unintentionally say something else, like, like this one. Now, you might read that, and some of you may be missing it. Now, what you've got to do is you've got to read the word hurting as a verb. We love hurting people. You know, it's not the, not the message you want to give if you're trying to attract people into your church. Now, I joke about that. Why? Because there's a sense that we have this Christian jargon. And one of the things is that when we're going to talk, or some of them we're going to talk about today, things that are biblical that we talk about, but if you, and if you're part of the church, you understand it. But if you're not, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. We talk about the church being the body of Christ. Well, again, it's biblical, but if you're not part of the church, What's that mean? Even if you are part, do you really understand what that means? It, it seems like a strange expression. Or spiritual gifts, again, we talk about that, but if you're not part of the church, or I'll talk to people or young believers, 
And they're like, what's a spiritual gift? I mean, we don't really understand it. It's something that we throw around about, but it's, it's kind of a expre- confusing expression. Now, it was with that idea that I even thought, you know, it's going to be interesting to see the difference between the first and second service even in that. I, I was curious to see what kind of responses you would have. You know, so we asked, okay, what you, what's your understanding of spiritual gifts? So let's see what, what answers we've gotten thus far. Um, you know, what we had... You know, so that in this, and I, I think it's going to be a little different in second service because a lot more of us have, have been believers here longer. You know, but you know, but we've got the majority of people here clearly say, "Hey, I know my gift. I think I'm using it." But we have a lot of people that ah, I think I know my gift. I don't know what to do with it. Some I don't know what my spiritual gift is. I want to tell you, if you're confused about spiritual gifts, you're not alone. It's a hard issue to understand. The Bible teaches about it in numerous passages. Um, Probably the longest one is the one we're going to spend the most time at today, 1 Corinthians 12. And Paul begins that whole thing by saying, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And he says, I want you to understand that, that first of all, this is something important. It's something that's important enough for you to know and understand. And second of all, it's something that I'm going to spend some time explaining because it's kind of confusing. But whereas it, it's a little confusing, it is something that that can be explained, that can be understood, that can be embraced. Now, to start this, again, we're going to start by looking at a lot of different passages. And I want to start by going to, uh, to uh, John 14. And in John 14, there's a passage that says an awful lot about understanding Jesus and, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He makes this incredible promise to us that, that we read, and, and it actually seems like it, it can't be true. Look what it says, John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Now, I want to tell you, when I read that, you know, I say, that's a great promise, but do I really believe that I'm going to do greater works than Jesus? I want to tell you, if anyone claimed, boy, I'm, I've got a ministry that's greater than Jesus, I'm going to look at him and say, man, that's, that's sacrilegious. I mean, that's, that's terrible. That's it seems like a terrible thing to say, but yet Jesus is saying that we will. Now, how does that work out? Now, I want you to notice when he says, how will we do these greater things? He says right here at the end, because I am going to the Father. So Jesus is saying for this to happen, he needs to go away to the Father. And, and now let's look at a couple of verses later, verses 16 and 17, and he starts to unpack this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells within you and will be within you. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to ask the Father. He's going to give a helper. And, and we know from th- further on in, this, in the passage, that's the Holy Spirit. And, and it's because we have the Holy Spirit, therefore, we're going to do greater works than Jesus. Now, to further understand it, let's go a few pages over. John 16, look what he says. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Now, again, I read that, and at first I think, wait a second, that's not to advantage. Man, it'd be awesome to be the disciples. It'd be awesome to be there when Jesus was there, to be a part of his ministry. How in the world can Jesus say, no, this is to your advantage that I'm going away? There's a real sense that what Jesus is saying is that we will have more of God in the world if he leaves than if he were still here. Now, if you read everything that Jesus is saying, here's his point. 
When Jesus was here, he was the perfect manifestation of God in, on, on planet Earth. He was, he is God, and he was God in human flesh. But when he took on human flesh, he took on a body, he was limited to a single space in time. So that in his ministry to the world, he could only be at one place at one time. He wasn't omnipresent. He gave that up, in a sense, for that time. Now, whereas it was great to have Jesus on earth, the fact is, is that when we think about him building a worldwide ministry, the fact is, is that if he was here, he was always limited to one time and place. And what Jesus is saying here is that I'm going to the Father, and as I go to the Father, I'm going to now send the Holy Spirit, which is God, and he's going to come within you, and he's not only going to come and enlighten you and convict you and, and give you relationship with me, but he's going to then work through you so that each one of you has God within you. And that's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit comes, and he fills the people, and, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's a sense that God himself and the person of the Holy Spirit comes into the life of every believer. And so that's what is saying now in John 14, 12, when it says, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and even greater works. It's not that any one of us will do greater works than Jesus Christ. It's that all of us together do greater works than Jesus Christ. Because all of us suddenly have now the presence of God throughout the whole world. So that even when we go into the greater Akron area, we have you know, 400 people representing Christ in all these different workplaces, all these different neighborhoods, all these different communities, that, that we have a chance to, in a sense, take the work of God more broadly than, than he would if, if Jesus was here only in his presence. See, the Bible is teaching that literally we are entrusted with the continuing ministry of Jesus Christ on earth. See, we will do greater works because we are doing his ministry, not in one place, one, one time, but through all of it. In fact, if you see this one place that really clearly taught in the book of Acts, many people may not realize that the book of Acts is actually a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. It was written by Luke. And so if you look at the beginning of Acts, we see this. Uh, look in, in, in Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 1. It starts off in the first book of Theophilus. Now, the first book is the Gospel of Luke. And so it says, okay, the first one, now I'm writing a second book, but in the first one, I had dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. I want you to realize what he's saying. The first book, I wrote about what Jesus began to do and teach. So what's the second book? What Jesus has continued to do and teach. But you say, Jesus isn't there. Jesus has ascended into heaven. Yeah, in Acts 1 6, he ascends to heaven. But the whole book is about the continuing work of Jesus Christ. It's through his people. The fact is, is that Jesus' ministry is not done, it continues. And people might say, well, that's because it was the apostles, it was Peter and Paul. And well, no, the whole way that it's written, you notice that it, it never gives an end to Peter's ministry. It tells us it stops, it goes, Paul, it goes, stops. And, and the whole point is, is that, that, it, that it's not the book of Acts, it's the continuing, it's the book of Acts is still being written that you and I are the representatives. We are given the Holy Spirit. We are now to do the work of, the, of Jesus Christ in the world. We're to represent him. And we're given the Holy Spirit that empowers us to do that. I mean, it's an amazing idea. See, what he's saying here is that when you hear about the, you know, in Corinthians and in Romans, Paul talk about the body of Christ, it's saying that there's a real sense that Christians together 
are to function as the body of Christ. Not that, that none of us are Christ to the world, but we together are Christ to the world. That there's a sense that each one of us, again, none of us can do all that Jesus did, but each one of us has a little piece of what Jesus did. A little piece of the power that we have this little one area that we represent Christ. And so when we come together, you know, we're, you know I'm the hand and you're the, you know, you're, you're the foot or the eye, or the, and we come together and we're all functioning, and together we're Christ to the world. That's, that's what, um, you know, we're going to see in Corinthians, Paul talks about in Romans, for as one body we had one members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. See, we're all part of the body of Christ, and it's an incredible idea. Well, Jesus was everything. He had the whole body. See, we have one little piece. But our piece in it is essential. It's vital. Because we each have to do our part, and then when we join together, we represent Christ to the world. Now, what it's teaching here is that there's a sense that the Holy Spirit comes in us, and he empowers us to represent Christ in one area. He entrusts us then to take what he has given us and to be faithful in representing Christ. That it's not something that we can say, well, you know, Pastor Mike can do it, or we've got staff, or we've got this, or th-. no. We're all part of this, that each one of us is an essential part. Each one of us is entrusted with with this being faithful to what God has called us to do. None of us can do all that Jesus did, but all of us does a little part of what Jesus did. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians, and you see that Paul explaining this. And he explains us, talking about that he has given us the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That's the terminology. Again, now 1 Corinthians 12 is, is this passage that probably is the longest of them all that explains spiritual gifts. We saw in the very beginning of verse 1, what does Paul say? Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. This is important. There's truth here. So then he begins to explain this whole nature of spiritual gifts. And let's go to verse 4 and look what he says. There are, some, are there varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. We're all called to do different things. See, it's not just teachers that matter. It's people that are greeting people at the door. There's, there's all these different things. There, we're all, all these different gifts, all these different services, all these different ways, but all of them is the Holy Spirit empowering us to do it. And look at how Paul describes it then in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Each one of us, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, what it's saying is that when you receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit not only empowers you, not only gives you a relationship with God, but he seeks to make himself manifest so that there's an aspect of God's power, of Jesus' ministry, that seeks that God wants to make manifest, that make visible to the world through you. And every one of us that are here that have a relationship with Christ have that. That's, that's not my opinion. That's, not, that's, what, that's, what, that's what the Bible says. But the key idea here is that we each have distinct gifts. With this is what the Bible talks about, spiritual gifts, that represent distinct gifts aspects of Jesus' ministry. That's, that's the whole idea of the body of Christ, is that we have these distinct gifts, and each one of us are going to do different things that when we do it, people see Jesus through what we're doing. 
So some people are called to, yes, teach like Jesus would teach, and other people are called to serve like Jesus would serve, and other people are called to welcome children like Jesus would have welcomed children, and other people are, are, are called to, to pray as Jesus would pray. And you see, all of us are called to represent Jesus Christ in this distinct area, and we all have to do our part for the whole body and ministry of Christ to be represented in our church and our community. Now, that's the idea. So then how do we then understand and use these spiritual gifts? How do we know what our spiritual gift is? And again, we look at this and we say, you know, um, you know it, it tells us that each one is given a manifestation of the spiritual uh, common good, that we each have a spiritual gift, but the question is, do we understand it? Do we under, you know, can we know how to use it practically? Do we know how to get from, I know it and I'm using it, to, you know, you know, beyond, I, you know, I don't know what it is, to I know what it is, to I know what it is, and I'm using it. That's where we want to go. Well, what's a, first of all, a basic definition. See, when we think about our spiritual gift, if, if I were to just, I'm going to, I don't have this on the screen, it's a significant ability given by the Holy Spirit to every believer through which the Spirit makes His power known for the purpose of building up the church and its work. It's a significant ability, but basically, if you were to simplify it any easier, it's this ability that God gives us to, in that area, to be Jesus Christ to the world. That there's a significant spiritual ability that he gives us to, to communicate the presence and the power of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And each one of us has one of those, each, at least one. Now, the problem is, is that we look at this and you say, okay, there's that, but, but how do we know what these things are? And the Bible gives us lists of gifts and um, but I want you to see that as we're going to look at this, the Bible gives us a list that gives types of gifts, not a list of specific gifts. You know, what's interesting is that in my experience, you know, most of the time, many times I'll get, hear somebody talk about spiritual gifts. And the most common approach that I see is somebody starts by giving this comprehensive list of all the spiritual gifts, and well, here's all the gifts, and here's a definition and description of the list, you know, so if you have this gift, here's what it means, and, um, and so here's a test so you know which one you have. What's interesting about that is that the Bible never gives us a comprehensive list of all the gifts, and it never gives, gives us a definition of the gifts. So it almost seems that we start teaching by saying, you know, well, Paul kind of messed up, and he kind of didn't give us a whole list, so let me improve on what Paul said and combine everything that he gave us and give a comprehensive list. Now, I'm being a little sarcastic here, but there's a point. And the point is, is that I think there's a reason there is no comprehensive list. God was trying to teach us something by the way that he gave us the gifts. I'm going to read a number of passages. There's five passages where there's lists of gifts, and I'm not going to put the passage up. I'm going to put the listing of the gifts that they are there, but you can follow along with me if you go to 1 Corinthians starting. There's two in 1 Corinthians. And I want you to see these different gifts that are listed. Because what you're seeing is you see like five partial lists, and they don't agree. They're, they're, they're all kind of different. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse uh, 8 through 11, or 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11. Here's, here's, for one is given the utterance of wisdom, to another utterance of knowledge, to another the faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by one spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to others various kind of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. These are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will. So we have this list. Now let's go, we go a couple of verses later in verse 27. We have another list, and it's, it's a little different. 
Now you're the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed to the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kind of tongues. Now notice that these, they have a couple of the same gifts, but there's also a lot that are left off, and there's some that are not given in the first passage. Then we go to Romans. Again, Paul is writing it here in Romans, and he gives another list, and this one varies again. Look what it says in Romans chapter 8 or 12, starting in verse 6. Now, this is getting smaller, but we're trying to help you to see these different gifts. Each Having diff, gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion in our faith, if serving in our serving, if one who teaches in teaching, the one who exhorts in ex exhortation, and the one who contributes in generosity, to the one who leads with zeal, to the one who acts with mercy, with cheerfulness. And so there are some that, you know, again, that are there, but then you have some, it's like, you know, um, is that a same gift? Is that a different one? But why these different lists? Then we go to Ephesians, and Ephesians seems to, Ephesians 4, it seems to be more in leadership, but look what it says. He gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And then the last one is real quick in, in uh, First Peter. Look, and Peter just gives us a couple, but again, they're different. Show hospitality. That's a new one again, to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift, let him serve it uh, one another as good stewards as God's various grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God pro provides. Now you look at that and you say, why are these all these different lists? And some of them, it's like here it's teaching in one place, but it's serving. In one place, it's service. It's another place, it's helps. It's, is that the same thing? Is it a different thing? And then you, go, you can even go to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it describes the building of the tabernacle, and it talks about how God gifted people with artistic ability, and that's not anywhere here. So I think there's certain things that are being taught. Number one, I, I think what he says is when you look at it, it says God has given certain gifts like, the, the idea is here's a list of gifts, he's giving partial lists, and part of, think, I think what he's saying is that there are many gifts and some of the gifts, even as change, as time changes, God equips people to do things that maybe weren't needs back 2,000 years ago. I'll give you an example. We're blessed with Dan Mitchell, who, who, who communicates very incredibly electronically, who does our media and who does, the, you know, our, you know, does all the media stuff and electronics and the video, and, and I'm thankful for that. Now, where's that in the gift list? Now, the fact that that didn't exist back then, could God have put it in the gifts list? Or maybe is the Holy Spirit still working and communicating in the ministry of Christ through means that we wouldn't have even thought of listing back then? Not only that, but I think the key thing is, is that I believe that God is telling us different types of gifts. He's giving us different categories, not necessarily a specific example. And a lot of times the problem is, well, here's the gift, and if you have this, you know, then you got to do this. You know, I don't really like to do that. And now let's, let me take an example of teaching. I could say with some confidence that I think amongst the gifts that God has given me, he's given me the gift of teaching, all right? I, 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 I believe that. But the key is that the gift of teaching isn't a single gift. It's a category of gifts. There's types of teaching gifts. And I can only do a type of teaching in a small window. I want to tell you, I'm thankful for Mona Hopstock, who teaches our three- and four-year-olds, because she does that way more effectively than I do. You know, I'm thankful for Debbie Allen and the preschool. I mean, I see what they do with all these preschool teachers, and, and they would eat me up in, a, in a five minutes. I could never do what they do. 
I'm thankful for, for Sonia DeBert. She is incredibly gifted with her four and fourth and fifth graders, and God has used her to impact many kids' lives. She has a gift of teaching I can't touch. I'm thankful for Nick Roberson and Ben Gerard and other men who work with the boys on Wednesday night because they teach in a way that I, I could never do what they do. See, it's different kind of teaching gifts. But sometimes we think, well, if I'm teaching, I've got to do that. Well, no, there's all kinds of teaching gifts. And, and if, even if, you know, if any of those people would have said, well, we have Pastor Mike, he does the teaching, I, you know, I, it's covered. Well, no, I can't do what you do. You see, there, we need to have this, this diversity. And one thing that often happens in spiritual gifts is we kind of say, well, this is, I can't do that. I can't do what that person does. And what we're doing is we're defining a specific gift by someone else. You know, if I sit there and I say, well, I can't do what Sonia does. I can't do what Mona does. Well, therefore, I don't have a teaching gift. I'm not going to try. That would be foolish. Because God hasn't called me to that. He's called me to a different kind of teaching. And he hasn't called them to try to do what I do because they're far more effective in doing what God has called them to do than I could ever dream. So we've got to know, okay, what has God called you to? See it broadly. But when we understand this whole area of giftedness, I want you to realize that what it's calling us to is ultimately to be Jesus to others in the area of that giftedness. To literally be the body of Christ so that you are being Jesus in that place that he has called you to do. So let me give you just examples. So when we have people like Debbie who are greeting at the door, you know what she can do? When people are greeted there, they see Jesus Christ in the way that she greets them and loves them. She, they, she hosts hospitality. She says, this is a place where you're welcome at home. They're Jesus Christ. They're people that serve the coffee, and if they do it the right way, they're, they're serving as if Christ was behind that coffee bar. And people come, and, they, and they're welcome in that way. We have people working in the nursery, and, and, and if you're doing that well, you're, you know, Jesus said, you know, that people are saying, I don't want the little children. Jesus, no, bring them unto me. And Jesus was praised because of the way that he welcomed the little babies. And you know what? You have people working in the nursery that are being Jesus Christ, and the kids know it, and the parents know it, and the ministry is effective. Or, or people that are teaching Jesus, who, who are, again, or, or I'm sorry, teaching children, and, and again, they're being Jesus Christ to their chil these children. They're teaching in ways that I could never teach. You have people that are doing sound and light and, you know, the media and things like that. And, 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 and if you have any question, again, how seriously God takes that issue and if it's spiritual giftedness, go back to the Old Testament and read all the instructions about how serious he was about building the tabernacle and the temple and how he was concerned about it looking right and so this is something that is really serious. God takes seriously. Or trustees who take care of the facility. And, and you know, again, now somebody might say, well, yeah, that's not Jesus. How do I do that? I want to remind you of something. What did Jesus do for the 30 years before he started his public ministry? He was a carpenter. He built things. We have trustees who are being Jesus and are building and fixing things. And so that you have people driving in and and they're seeing something about the facility that is welcoming, that, that represents God's glory. And anybody that knows, I could never do that. You know, I, I don't have those abilities. Or prayer ministry or, or administration. You know, and that's important for every area. And I think of, you know, Emily in the choir and Jamie in the nursery and all these people that are, that are doing things and are organizing things that I, I wouldn't have a clue to do. 
or special needs ministry that, that communicates compassion and service and, or, or, and service. And, or, you know, even this week I talked to someone who's just overwhelmed and just struggles and, and difficulty of life. And in talking to him, he says, yeah, there was this person that called me and they called me and says, you know, I'm really good at cleaning bathrooms, so I'm going to come and clean your home. And you know, that person took service and he said, I'm going to be Jesus today. And he is being Jesus. He is part of the body of Christ and he's representing Jesus beautifully. And someone else writes a letter and says, you know, God woke me up at five in the morning and I just felt called to pray for you. So I prayed for you for an hour this, mo you know, this morning. And that person is being Jesus. He's, that person is literally being Jesus through a ministry of prayer. And that's beautiful. See, and what we recognize is that so many of us would sit there and say, you know, I can't do that. I can't teach. I can't, you know, I can't do the important thing. We all can do something, and it's all important. It's all vital. And when we recognize that it's not just, okay, what need do I feel in the church? It's not it. It's a question of saying, how can I be Jesus Christ in that area? How can I let the Spirit work through me? so that I'm serving in this little tiny slice of the church, but I'm being faithful in the part that God has assigned me, and there I'm being Jesus. It's not just you know, Sunday mornings, it's what we do throughout, and, and so often God will take even things in your past and he will redeem it, so you have people that, are going, that have been through divorce, that have started divorce recovery ministries, that are being Jesus to people struggling divorce, or that are taking issues like abuse and, and, and recovery, and taking interest like sports ministry and saying, how can I bring Jesus Christ into the lives of people and reach people through sports ministry? And that's being Jesus Christ. It's, it's bringing him into the culture and into the world. See, we all can do that. We're going to talk more about this in the next couple of weeks, but let me just give you a couple practical steps to start with. A couple things just to you know, say, as you think about this, again, you may know what what you're called, you might, you, know, you might want to look a little further. Okay, where's God called me to? A couple practical, simple steps to start with. Um, you know, we're going to start with, you know, a lot of that is, that's part of what next week is. Um, you know, we've got the whole ministry fair. We're encouraging you to come, and you're going to learn more about what opportunities there are. There are, you know, there, you're going to see all these different opportunities, things that, you, you know, people that say, you know, I, you know, I, I would like to serve, but I don't teach. Well, there's tons of things to do. But I want you to start also by looking for a need to fill. Um, you know what, what's interesting? Is that some of that might be you walking through next week and you're saying, well, I didn't know we had that ministry. I would like to do that. And, and that may be part of it. It might be that. But there are sometimes people say, I wish the church did this. Well, we didn't do this. We don't minister to that group very well. And, and I, I want if that's if you ever think that, I want to challenge you on something. Maybe you're the one that God is stimulating to say, here's a need, because he wants you to be the one that steps up and helps us meet that need. So I don't want to just ask, okay, here are the things that you're going to see next week in the ministry fair. It's possible that God may be calling you to a place in ministry even outside of what we're currently doing. Are you willing to see the need, step up, and say God may be calling you to meet that need? Look for opportunities to serve Christ by serving people. Again, that's, that's what we're talking about because that's, if you think of spiritual gifts and you think that sounds scary, that sounds official, and 
No, all we're talking about doing is to say you're serving Christ by serving people, and, and how you're serving people by being Christ to them. And something that seems to be insignificant, if you greet people with the eyes of Christ and they feel welcomed, if you greet the children, they feel welcomed, if you, if you do things, you know, facility with the spirit of excellence of Christ and, and it communicates something of his glory, whether it's music or art or sound or light, or if you just serve, you're going and making food for someone or praying for someone or cleaning their, you're serving Christ by serving people, by being Christ. And there are opportunities all around us for people to do that. And lastly, step out of your comfort zone by faith. Because for some, it's like, well, I'm not really sure what to do, and I'm, I'm not, you know, and, and, you, and, and we're hesitant to, to commit to something, and I'm not sure how it's going to go. And here's what I want you to realize. What it's saying is that God takes our willingness. We're going to talk about a lot, this, a lot more next week. God takes our willingness, and he uses it, and he multiplies it so that it has his power. And you might be sitting there saying, I'm not really sure what I can do, and I'm not sure if God would use it. I'm not sure I don't have the ability. Well, you don't have the ability. That's not the issue. See, the issue is you have the faithfulness, and then God has the ability. And for some, it might be, I'm not sure what to do. Step out of your comfort zone. Take a risk. If you feel that God is maybe calling you to do something, take a risk. Step outside of your ability, because the whole idea is it's not about your ability. It's about God's ability. It's about his blessing. And are you willing to take the risk of believing him? Taking him at his word and believing that he will use you in ways that go beyond who you are, but that are an expression of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your life, so that in this area, you represent Jesus Christ to the church and the world. And as we together as a body of Christ represent each one of our parts, the world sees Jesus. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Thanks for joining us. If you have any questions about what we talked about, Jesus Christ, our church, or anything else, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or by email. We'd love to hear from you.